0: The Chicago Bears proved just three weeks ago that they're good enough to beat this Detroit Lions team and they know what they need to do to win. It's about repeating that same formula and not taking their foot off the gas at the end. You are locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Get all of your favorites delivered right to the comfort of your own own home, whether it be restaurant, meals, snacks, groceries, you name it, they've got it on DoorDash. Right now, you're going to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you use our promo code LOCKED23. On the show today, we put together a game plan for the Bears to beat the Detroit Lions. And fortunately, it doesn't have to be too complicated. We saw that game plan executed almost to perfection or almost to success just three weeks ago. The Bears don't have to reinvent the wheel here. They can try and do a lot of the same things they did against the Lions in that game. Certainly, Detroit will try and adjust in different ways. But the Bears can also adjust to some of the things that didn't work against the Lions in that game and come together with a plan for success here while trying to avoid some of the mistakes they made in that game and also overcome some of the things the Lions were able to do successfully against them in that game when it comes to trying to get this Bears running game going a little bit more and responding to what the Lions defense had done the previous time. How they can get more pressure on Jared Goff and try and try and kind of keep him under wraps without getting conservative down the stretch like the Bears did last time. And we'll talk about some of the key matchups that decided that game and how the Bears might go about them in this game knowing a little bit more what to expect. But offensively, last time we saw Chicago come out firing pretty well, Justin Fields played well. The Bears were able to put up quite a few points early on against that Lions defense and were in control for the majority of that game. Justin Fields took care of the ball. Wasn't like he was, it wasn't as horizontal as we saw against the Vikings afterward, but It wasn't all downfield shots either, but it was a good sort of mixture of getting different guys involved. It wasn't a 300-yard passing performance, but it was taking what the defense gave him and doing enough in that regard and being able to move this team down the field. The big problem that we saw throughout that game, and we saw it again against the Vikings now in back-to-back weeks, is drives ending in field goals and not touchdowns. Certainly against Detroit, they got, what, three interceptions on Jared Goff, plus I think there was a fumble in there if I remember correctly. And they struggled to really turn those turnovers into touchdowns. They turned into field goals or on one drive, I think there was a fumble. I think Tyler Scott fumbled on a drive after a turnover. And that's one of the big takeaways for me entering this game is like when those drives stalled, it was a couple of different things that it was, it was a combination of sometimes the bears would get in there and, you know, they'd move, they'd move down the field and then they'd have a negative play. It'd be a false start or it'd be a tackle for a loss in the running game or it would be a sack, or it'd be a, a screen pass that ends up losing yards, you know, something to where they go from first and ten to first and fifteen, or second and twelve, or second and eleven, and then you end up getting third and eight, you know, instead of you know gaining a few yards on first down, gaining a few yards on second down, and getting third and three, third and two, third and one. And the other aspect of that is when the Bears would get these drives moving and they get into the field goal range, they'd get to third and three, third and two, third and one. They'd hand it off and they wouldn't get it. And they'd take the field goal and they wouldn't go for it. You know, we kind of saw a combination of those things in, in that game. It was either, it was either they'd get backed up early on a down distance and then it became third and long and then fourth and long. You're not going to go for it then. So you take the field goal or they would get better down and distance. But once they got inside the red zone, they were content to say, yeah, third and one, we'll try the QB sneak with Justin Fields. We don't get it. It's fourth and one. And. Eh. Let's take the field goal. Let's not try again to get that fourth and one. And ultimately you end up letting the lions climb back in this game. So like game plan wise, you got to stay ahead of the sticks, right? And that's, that's kind of the goal every week, but specifically against the lions. Like you got to get out of your own way with negative plays and you can't let these drives get too conservative. Like we saw Detroit in that first game, really, really load up the box. That was their game plan. We're not going to let you run it with Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson and Deontay Foreman in that game, especially Herbert, you know, he had 16 carries for 35 yards. He did have a nine yard run in there, but it was a lot of like running into the line of scrimmage, not finding a lot of room because it was a lot of eight man plus boxes from the Lions kind of daring you to throw it a little bit more. And as a result, the Bears running game became Justin Fields on the read option, keeping it himself and sometimes just having to make a guy miss in space and break off from there. And I think if I'm the Bears, certainly that that is a strategy and you're going to use the Justin Fields running game. But I want to get the running back ground game going again. And so if they're going to load up the box, you got to spread them out. Make them pay for loading up the box, right? If they're going to load the box, they're daring you to throw. But they load up the box in some part because of your own personnel. They feel like, okay, we can get eight men in the box if you've got a fullback and two tight ends in the game. But if you come out with four wide receivers in Khalil Herbert, they can't load up the box. I mean, I guess they could put one man on each of those four receivers, then put eight guys in the box with no deep safeties. But then, OK, let me take a shot then, you know, or let me throw to the flat. And then you have so much more space for your passing game. Like, I felt like the Bears, as an offense, weren't able to properly respond to and take advantage of the Lions loading the box. Spread them out and then either make them unload the box so then you can hand it off to Herbert with fewer guys in the box. Or if they still load the box when you spread it, then take advantage of it, the extra space that they're getting you by having loaded up the box. Like I want to see the Bears take a more proactive, responsive approach to their running game there to not have to rely on fields to pull it and run all the time. And then in theory, if their running game can be more more active and proactive ahead of the Lions game plan there, then that should help you get into better down and distance situations to avoid having to settle for field goals on the drive. It should help you feel more confident in going for it on third and one, fourth and one, because you can trust your running game a little bit more because the Lions aren't shutting it down by loading the box all the time based on what you're doing offensively. Like, there wasn't enough of a response in that way. and That's why I want to see the Bears adapt this time around when they play the Lions offensively. Do the same kind of things you were doing with fields in the passing game. It was working. Do the same kind of things you were doing with fields in the running game. It was working, but revamp things a little bit with the rest of your running game, try and avoid more of those negative plays, get yourself in a position to keep moving forward and don't take your foot off the gas when you're in field goal range. Like there are times when you take the field goal when it's fourth and 10, you're not going to go for it. But when you got a chance to keep sticking it to the Lions when your offense is working, you got to keep sticking it to a nine and three first place team within your own division. Similarly, we saw a lot of great things from the Bears defense in that game until the very end, but they were getting ahead of, Jared Goff and Ben Johnson in the Lions offense. And we'll go through some of the things that worked pretty well on that and what the Bears can try and do a little bit better this time around next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is the best way to get all of your favorites delivered right to your door so that it's restaurant warm and fresh the moment it arrives from your DoorDashers, bringing it straight to your house whether it's groceries that DoorDash will pick from the shelves for you, right? after you, you pick what you want off the app, they'll bring it right to your door. Or it's a great way to support local restaurants in your area. I recently just DoorDash myself some chicken teriyaki over rice. And oh my gosh, it was so good. And you know, again, it comes, comes hot and fresh like I went to the restaurant myself and got it. But nope, someone else took care of it for me. And that's the convenience with DoorDash. I can still support local restaurants without having to leave the comfort of my own home. Right now, you can get 50% off. Up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you, when you download the DoorDash app and enter our promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Don't forget that promo code LOCKED23 L-O-C-K-E-D, for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. It's easy to have more confidence in the Chicago Bears coming into this Lions matchup, not only coming off a win against the Vikings, but having seen them particularly shut down the Ben Johnson offense, right? The guy that is rumored to be a hot head coaching candidate for a variety of teams with how well he's done this Lions offense. But for a lot of that game, the Bears were in complete control, right? Lions scored two touchdowns in the second quarter, but shut out of the first quarter and the third quarter. And for the most part, like both of those one of those Lions touchdowns came at the very end of the half when it felt like the Bears got conservative. And then the last 17 points all came in the final four minutes, the final three minutes of the fourth quarter, when, again, it felt like the Bears really got conservative, played a lot more off in coverage, a lot softer, you know, kind of cloud zones and kept this Lions offense, you know, right back in the game because they could work their way downfield. And they would just take these 8, 10, 12-yard chunk plays, because the Bears were getting back there to prevent the 25-yard play, but the 12-yard play was plenty for them to work the way down their field quickly and score multiple times on consecutive drives against the Bears. And so that's sort of the, the, A, the big lesson takeaway to not do this time around is like don't get conservative. Keep playing your defense the way you're playing. You don't have to be in prevent defense until it's Hail Mary time, right? You don't have to be in prevent defense the entire final three minutes of the game or the the entire final two minute drive. It just felt like they weren't getting after Goff the same way. They weren't playing as physically and aggressive. They were, it felt like they were coaching and, and calling defense scared instead of staying confident and aggressive with what had been working through the, the entirety or almost the entirety of that game. You know, for the most part, the bears got decent pressure on Jared Goff and, and even, even on plays when they didn't get pressure, you could feel it speeding up the internal clock on golf where it's like, okay, pressure is coming. I got to get rid of it where, you know, the, the pressure statistics from, from PFF and other places aren't always going to record that as pressure because golf gets rid of it. But it's plays where you can see the line is starting to break down or starting to move. Not enough that golf has to get rid of it, but golf feels like, man, if I don't get rid of it quickly, I'm then going to be under pressure. And then I'm going to have to get it. So it's like getting rid of it early earlier than he needs to a little bit. So it's not really pressure because he's not physically moved off his spot or disrupted in the pocket, but it's sort of the idea of pressure is coming. So let me chuck it sooner than I might have otherwise. Let me get, re- like they speed up his time to throw because of the pressure they were getting. And even on plays when it's not technically pressure, it still ends up hurrying Jared Goff, just not physically like moving him and, and causing him to hurry in that regard. Like it's more of a mental thing than a an actual like, physical disruption, but what it does is when he has to get rid of it quickly or more more quickly, when he feels that pressure to get rid of it more quickly, not pressure, but when he feels that sort of obligation because of the threat of pressure, then he's not throwing it as deep, right? There's not as much time for routes to develop downfield. It has to be a little bit more of an underneath game. And that limits explosive plays. That limits just the general chunk. You know, if he has to throw it three yards past the line of scrimmage more quickly when he could be more regularly throwing it, say Seven, eight, nine yards path line of scrimmage. You know th- that adds up when it's three or four plays in a row of only three yards instead of three or four plays in a row of eight yards when he's throwing. You know all of a sudden that's twenty. A, a, what a twenty-yard difference, for example, in, in that kind of math there. So that's what that's where the pressure could start to get off. And then also it made the Bears blitzes more effective when they did blitz, right? We kind of talked about this uh, earlier in the week on the podcast where now that Montez Sweat and Unique Ngakwe and even Demarcus Walker played pretty well against the Lions last time. Jervon Dexter, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Now that those guys are more consistently generating pressure, the Bears don't have to blitz out of necessity, but can blitz as a as an extra mix-up to, to the opponent, right? To try and throw them off without feeling like you have to. And so then you can be more judicious and creative about when and where and how you blitz. It's not something that has to become a more regular part of your pass-rushing uh, attack plan. But when they do mix it in, it's a little bit less expected. It's a little bit easier to disguise then because you're not always having to show it to, to get the pass rush there. And similarly in, in coverage, right now that pass rush is, being a little, is a little bit better, you can disguise things a little bit more in coverage where when you don't have much of a pass rush, you're worried about, okay, if I disguise stuff, like is the quarterback going quarterback to have enough time where when a guy is trying to get back to his spot where he needs to be, if the receiver can beat him there and the quarterback has time to get the ball to him there, you know, will the pass rush not allow us to do certain things in coverage that we might otherwise want to do? And I think there's some more flexibility to disguise a little bit more in coverage. And that's something that I think helped, both of those things helped generate those turnovers against Jared Goff last time. Some of it is always luck, right? I think at least one of those was either a dropped pass by a receiver or a tipped pass by a defensive player. And we saw that a couple of times against the Vikings this past week too, like, or this past game as well. Some of it is guys being in the right place and the right time. And that there's a skill to that, but some of it's just like, yeah, it's an oblong ball that bounces funny. <laughs> and sometimes stuff will not intentionally happen, but it will turn It will turn into a turnover from being in the right place at the right time. But some of it was, you know, TJ Edwards stepping in front of a pass or Tremaine Edmonds knowing where to be in a coverage. And like, that is a part of the Bears showing different things in coverage early in the season and the Lions studying that. And then the Bears tweaking that and showing, showing something that might look similar, but then responding differently. And, you know, pre-snap versus post-snap, Or, you know, sort of having guys, you know, disguising coverage in terms of like, it's still going to be a cover two or still gonna be a cover three, but normally a safety goes here in that coverage and a linebacker goes here or a cornerback goes here, but now we're going to have the safety go where the cornerback usually does and maybe the the cornerback go where the safety usually does. And so it's the same coverage, but it looks different because different players are moving into different, into, into zones they might not normally be in. And that's where you can try and, you know, fool a quarterback or make him think he's seeing one thing, but then realize, oh... Because the safety's moving there, it makes it look like a different coverage, but actually, he's just in a different spot in the same coverage that I thought it would have been otherwise. And that's how you get, you know, that's how you start to get interceptions based on, on disguised coverage. Like, it's not something that a veteran quarterback like Jared Goff is going to get fooled on all the time. And it's not always as simple as just fooling him to get an interception. Sometimes, you know, you just miss the throw or misread or miscommunication, but it's something that certainly contributes to that for this Bears defense. It's something that they need to continue to do again. Like, I don't think it's reasonable to expect three more interceptions of Jared Goff. You know, he's not a reckless quarterback. He's not someone who's turned it over a lot all season. He's turned over eight times this season. And I think three of them came against the bears in that, in that one game. So all of their games this season, he's only thrown five interceptions in what would that be? 11 other games. So he averages like, you know, literally less than one interception per game. We can't expect three every time from this bears defense, but Goff did fumble it three times the following game against the Green Bay Packers. Like, he has been turning the ball over. And we heard yesterday from Matt Deary on Locked on Lions that Jared Goff in winter weather games, I think the touchdown to interception ratio was 7 to 7. Like, he's a lot less efficient and a lot more turnover prone comparatively in cold weather games. You know, when it's windy in the conditions of Soldier Field, as we're expecting on Sunday. I'm not sure exactly what. Particip- precipitation wise but still, there could be some opportunity there for golf mistakes. The Bears absolutely have to take advantage of those defensively, and then, like we just talked about, the offense has to do some of that more, and then just when you get to the end of the fourth quarter and the end of the half, this defense cannot take their foot off the gas, back off in coverage, and let the Lions take their free plays all the way down the field until they get in the red zone, and then you got to buck up, and then at that point, it's too late, and you know mistakes start to happen, and one thing leads to the other. That's how the Bears collapse against the Lions. Avoid the collapse this time, easier said than done, but I think we've seen that this Bears team is capable of it and they, they avoided it. You know, they, they finished out on top of the Vikings. They learned how to win that game. So they got to apply that ability to learn how to win to do it this week against the Detroit Lions. Doing so, it's going to come down to winning a lot of the same one-on-one matchups that helped decide that first Bears-Lions game. The things that the Bears did well in those one-on-ones and the areas where, you know, they struggled. And it ultimately helped kind of help bring down what they were able to do. Then we'll go through what to expect from Amon Ross St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, and an injury situation on the Lions offensive line that the Bears should absolutely be attacking next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at PrizePicks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports, because prize picks puts you in complete control. They set a projection for every player of of some sort of stat, passing yards, rushing yards, touchdowns, you name it. And then you decide whether they will perform better or worse than their prize picks projection. And you can win up to 25 times your money on your picks. So right now, Justin Fields' prize picks projection is 198 and a half passing yards. You could pair that with any other number of players, two to six players. And if you get your picks right, you can win big at prize picks. It's really fun. It makes it a more exciting game to watch because you're waiting to see, is that guy going to get enough yards to really hit your prize picks? Try it for yourself. Go to prizepickscom slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. It's an extra hundred bucks to play with at prizepickscom slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL. Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The Chicago Bears can make life easier on themselves in this Lions game, if they can win some of the key one-on-one matchups. And when I look back at the Lions game the first time around, it really kind of tells the story for you right there. You got to, for example, keep tabs on Amon Ra St. Brown. And the thing the Lions do with Amon Ross St. Brown is try and avoid specific one-on-one matchups that they don't want and try and get the one-on-one matchups they do want, especially against the Bears in the last game. It was a lot of Jared Goff throwing underneath to the middle of the field. That was where his... I call it a check. It's not always a check down when it's seven or eight yards downfield, but like that area, right? Between the numbers, often between the hashes, short of the first down marker. Like that was the area of the field he was going after over and over again, particularly with Amon Ross St. Brown. Also, Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield. They checked down to that area of the field quite a bit too. But like as that game went on, the, the two players in coverage that Jared Goff targeted the most in that game, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, the two linebackers in the middle of the field. That's where the Lions... Kept wanting to go with their passing game, largely with Amon Ross St. Brown, somewhat with Jameer Gibbs. Now, in that game, both Edwards and Edmonds got interceptions, so you could argue maybe it wasn't the best strategy there. But I, I still think it's something they're going to want to go to. I, if I'm a quarterback, I would rather throw with my speedy wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. is great after the catch. I would rather have him going up against linebackers than I would against Jalen Johnson. And maybe. Tyreek, I mean, we could talk about the Tyreek Stevens and Terrell Smith too, but like, wide receiver versus linebacker tends to be a better matchup than wide receiver versus cornerback. So with Amon Ross last time, sometimes it was linebacker, sometimes it was Kyler Gordon in the slot, sometimes it was Jaquan Brisker coming down from the safety position, but like middle of the field was where they was they were attacking. And so the Bears have to keep tabs on Amon Ross St. Brown coming to that area and have to make sure that these linebackers are ready. Like, yeah. You got to get depth. You don't want guys to beat you a ton behind you, but just be ready that they're going to be throwing it in front of you a lot. So be ready to attack downhill and finish those plays with with clean tackles. Of course, you know, not giving up extra yards after catch on those just because you end up being in the right position, but not being able to finish the tackle on the play. Another big matchup that ended up being decisive in that Bears-Lions game that the Bears need to win again this time. Right tackle, Darnell Wright, the rookie, versus Aiden Hutchinson. For the majority of that game, it felt like Darnell Wright was holding up just fine, not getting a ton of pressure coming in on that side from Aiden Hutchinson. They they ended up moving Hutchinson around a bit in that game, and he wasn't getting much going against Braxton Jones either. But it comes down to that final drive when Justin Fields gets the ball, and that's when Aiden Hutchinson beats Darnell Wright, gets the strip sack that ends up being a safety as Darnell Wright, like, kicks it out of the back of the end zone. You know, it's not—that doesn't, like, mean the whole performance was bad by Wright, but obviously in a big spotlight— that one play was one of the times he got beat and that, that becomes a little bit more of a challenge. And so like now Aiden Hutchinson gets part two, right? And over the course of the game, you start to learn what the other player does and what I, what I can do to beat them and what I, what I need to do differently and what they're good at stopping, and what I can get past them. And so how those two respond in their rematch is going to be really interesting to me because now Wright has a, a a pretty good feel for, okay, I know how much speed Hutchinson has. So I know how far out I have to set up in my pass set and still be able to recover to the inside. So I, you know, I don't have to worry about him unleashing some, you know, next level like speed. Like, oh my gosh, he's faster than I thought he was. Cause okay, I've played a full game against him. I know when he's turning on the jets and when he's not, you know, when I need to do that and when I don't. I also know how strong he is. So I know like how much I need to anchor, how early I need to anchor. If he starts to bull rush me, how much, you know, how do our strengths compare? How does my upper body strength versus my lower body strength, you know, can I, can I rely on just my hand strength and my arms? And, you know, sort of my upper core there to corral his power or how much do I need to anchor? How much do I need to reset my feet against him? You know, I mean, it's a lot of like intricacies there and not always things that the lineman is actively thinking about in the three seconds while the play is going. But in between plays and in between drives, like, OK, what is he doing to me? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to be ready for? Like Wright can be ready for that. And same thing for Aiden Hutchinson, though. Hutchinson will say, OK. I man, I beat him on that strip sack doing this. I think I can beat him using that move, you know, or man, every time I tried this move on Darnell Wright, it wasn't working. He's got me on that move. I got to know like when to try that and when to have counters ready for that and how, how to respond, right? Like how those guys respond in the rematch will be really fun to watch, especially for a rookie that hasn't, ha- hasn't gotten to go against the same guy twice like this, except for, you know, in the Vikings now it was the first game that he's gotten to play against the same player twice this season. But Hutchinson's kind of more of a clash of the Titans type matchup with them on the edge. And that one's going to be really fun. Similar dynamic on the interior for the Bears' defensive line going up against the Lions' offensive line. Jervon Dexter had a big game against the Lions last time. He got a couple hits on Jared Goff, a couple other pressures in there. I want to see what he's able to do in his in his sequel here, in his second go at it. And the Lions' offensive line right now dealing with an injury situation where uh, their, their center Frank Ragnow left their last game against the Saints injured, He didn't practice on Wednesday. We're we're sort of feeling it out as the week goes on. It's very much up in the air as to whether or not Frank Ragnow will be able to play on Sunday. When he left, they put uh, Graham Glasgow in at center, who had been playing guard for them. And then they brought their backup guard back into the lineup. And it was their backup guard against the Saints this past week who had been starting. It's the rookie Colby Sorsdahl, their fifth round pick. He started against the Bears a few weeks ago and really struggled against Gervon Dexter and Demarcus Walker on the interior to some there and Justin Jones. Like, he was the weak link on that Lions offensive line for sure when he was starting at left guard then. Now their starting left guard is back, but Sorsdahl has been filling in at right guard with Ragnow injured. So if their center Ragnow isn't able to go, the right guard Colby Sorsdahl, is going to be the weak link because Glasgow will start at center in, in place of Ragnow. But if Ragnow is good to go, then they will be able to start their regular right guard at right guard and not at center and then it it becomes a little bit more of a, you know, find find your matchups where you can kind of thing. There's not like the one big, you know, weakness. It's just like, you know, got to go win your one-on-ones there against that Lions offensive line. So I'm looking for Dixer to have a big game potentially against one of these backups and pick up where he left off last time. Like th- those to me are, are the big matchups that can go really far in deciding this game. And it's still why I feel like the Bears have a good shot to win this one. We haven't felt that way a lot this season, but coming off of a bye, having almost beat this Lions team, having just beat the Vikings and showing they can finish these games with a win. I think the Bears can do it. It's not going to look exactly the same as it did the first time against the Lions. I think the cold weather is going to keep the scoring down a little bit more and make it a little bit of an uglier game. They probably won't shut down the Lions offense as smoothly as they did that first time. But maybe, and they probably won't turn over Jared Goff as much as they did. But maybe the offense can finish more of those drives with touchdowns. And really curious to see what kind of growth the Bears show from first Lions game to second Lions game. Whatever happens on Sunday, you can be sure we'll break it down for you right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for another listen here, we've got a Lockdown sports today 24 hour live stream channel on youtube and we're also going to have our nfl kickoff live show coming up as well to get you ready for all of sunday's games including bears lions so go check out those podcasts and well on those live shows and then come on back monday for another episode of lockdown bears and another opportunity to bear down